listening to Impact Sports Daily, WDBM's daily rundown of all things sports. Good morning and welcome back to Impact Sports Daily. Today is Wednesday, October 20th. My name is Manit Patel. I'm here with Matt Merrifield. Today we're going to recap the baseball games last night, Braves-Dodgers Game four, uh, game 3, Astros-Red Sox Game 4. We're going to talk about the Lions. They had a little bit of a controversy with the press conference, quarterback controversy. Dan Campbell said some things. Might have gotten clarified by him following him saying the controversial uh, thing, but we'll we'll touch on that later. Last night was NBA opening night as well. Uh, the Bucks played the Nets, Warriors played the Lakers, and the Red Wings played last night as well. So we got a lot to get into. Let's get started. First off, Braves-Dodgers. Dodgers win a big comeback. Your thoughts, Matt? Uh, Bellinger had a very poor season, as everybody knows. Hit like 160, was it? But he's yeah. really redeemed himself in this postseason with not one but now two big hits coming in late, right, last night and then game five against the Giants. So it's definitely nice to see him start to bounce back. Yeah, I agree. Cody Bellinger is one of my favorite players personally, and to see him bounce back after, you're right, he did hit 165 in the regular season. Um, To see him bounce back in the postseason will make up for all of the struggles he had during the regular season because no one cares if you perform in the postseason, and that's exactly what he's been doing when the Dodgers need him to. He's getting on base at a high clip. He's getting on base almost 400, 40% of the time. It's pretty impressive to see. Mm-hmm. Good turnaround for him. Yeah, definitely. And for the Braves, uh, definitely a scary sight if you're a Braves fan, right? Similar to what happened last year. They were up three games to one. And they blew it. They have a two-game lead going into L.A. You thought they had them last night. They, I really thought Yeah, they had I thought them. they did too. And, uh, uh, I was watching it, and it looked like Atlanta had it. They bounced Walker Bueller early. And from there, the momentum just remained with them. And I really thought, I was like, yeah, this is Braves' game to lose right now. Yeah, I think the they, it was really tough to watch them lose that game. Hopefully, they'll be able to bounce back. I think one issue they've had is walks. They've walked 16 batters in the last two games, which is a really big issue. right? You can't be given a lineup like the Dodgers, free base runners, right? Oh. So going out, uh, they really got to figure that out, but... I'm curious to see what happens tonight. Urias is on the mound for the Dodgers, who has struggled a bit in the postseason but was outstanding in the regular season. The Braves have yet to announce their starter, though, tonight, which I think is interesting. I think it's interesting, too. I don't know who they'll go to. Um, it'll. They seem like, you know, it doesn't really matter. If they throw out Anderson or Freed, I wouldn't expect a great – I wouldn't expect – a. Less than stellar performance from either. Ian Anderson pitched great um, against the Dodgers game one, I think. And Max Fried looked good, too. So whoever they decide to throw out should give Urias a battle. But if the Braves can touch Urias early, get to him early, like they did with Bueller, they could. They need to re- keep that momentum throughout. Yeah, they have to have That'll sh- be the biggest thing for them. You have to have that short-term memory, right? Another day, you're still up two games to one. If you come out of L.A. taking one of those games and being up three games, even up three games to two, going back to Atlanta, you're going to be in pretty good shape, especially because Atlanta, home field advantage has been really clear in this postseason. You yeah. can see it again. It's been huge for whoever's had it. Um, Luke Jackson, too, one of the Braves' best relievers. He did give up the game-winning runs yesterday, but... He needs to be able to bounce back because he's a key part of that bullpen. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Braves bullpen, right? There were a lot of question marks even the last couple of years, but this year it's been outstanding, and you really hope to see that they can keep it together and get through the series. Yeah, moving on. Um, the Astros and Red Sox played last night. Controversial call with Nate Ovaldi in the bottom of the eighth. Um, or sorry, the top of the ninth. Mm-hmm. Um, that curveball looked like it touched the outside, top, the top right corner. And the umpire thought otherwise. Yeah, there was... Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, um, the umpire last night, last Diaz, 21 miscri- missed strike calls last night, which was the most we've seen this postseason, which I thought was quite interesting. There were quite a few calls that I thought were questionable. A couple times I saw pitches that were similar spots, but he didn't give them the same call both ways. So um, I definitely think that played a factor. I still think... Uh, the Astros really just got after Evaldi last night. It was nice to see the Astros really, the offense, come back alive and take a really huge game because falling behind three games to one to Boston is tough to come back against. Both lineups have looked great so far. Yeah. Um, Laz Diaz last night was a- accurate on 88% of the calls he could have gotten, but rated the worst call that he missed was that missed strike to Castro, which ended up being the game leading run after he smacked a single. Um, it was huge. It tipped the tide of a game of, of the game. And the Astros are right back in this series where they needed to be in order in going into game five. Yeah. It really felt going into last night that the, the Astros were a lot farther back than two to one. Right? Yeah. It really felt like the Red Definitely. Sox had control of the series. Cause the Red Sox offense blew up games right. two and game three. It, like the runs were just piling on it felt like the Astros were you like you said so much further back than they were but uh getting that win last night really I mean it's 2-2 two, two. you got you got to win best of 4 right yeah yep. yeah right so or yeah best of 4 so uh definitely should be interesting um both lineups have been great you need it's just going to come down to whichever pitching staff truly steps up and starts yeah. to dominate which we haven't seen that yet from Houston but it might be coming We'll have to just wait and see. I agree. Um, yesterday was probably the best game that staff pitched, but it still wasn't great. The Red Sox able, uh, hitters were able to get on base. Tonight, we'll see Framber versus Sale, two pitchers who did struggle game one. It'll be interesting to see how that matchup goes as well because if you get into that bullpen early, both bullpens were used early yesterday. If you get into it early again today, are you going to have arms to go for the 6th and 7th games when you really need them to? Yeah, I mean, the Astros have yet to have a pitcher make it out of the third inning in this series, which is a huge issue, right? Yeah. You're, you're only in tonight's game, game game 5 tonight, right? So, um, yeah, four you games. Need yeah, you need a good start yeah, from Framber. Yeah. He's got to go at yeah. least 5 or 6 innings, otherwise this bullpen's going to get wrecked. Mm-hmm. And for uh, Boston... Sale has has struggled so far. He has not been the leader of this rotation that we thought he would be in this postseason. And for them to take that next step and be a World Series and to win the World Series, they're going to have to need they need him to step up and lead the rotation. Yeah, Chris Sale does need to step up since he came back from his injury. Um, he hit, he got pulled early in that game against the Nationals and hasn't really pitched like he can in the postseason. But if he gets back on track. That'll be dangerous for Boston, especially if they can make the series because you want your ace 100%. He is, without a doubt, the best right. pitcher on that staff when he's healthy. And if he can be healthy, 
Yeah, especially the way Yovaldi and uh, Rodriguez and the other pitchers in that staff have stepped up and have yeah. given the offense enough room to go out and mash like they have. Having Chris Sale at full at full uh, capacity and really going out there and dominating will just make the Red Sox an even better team. Yeah. Um, one thing is the Red Sox have declined to have Matt Barnes on the roster. Um, he was an all-star pitcher the first half of the season. Most people know who followed the Red Sox. Most people know how it went. He was all-star pitcher throughout the first half and just fell off a cliff. Um, and they elected not to bring him onto the postseason roster, but he is still one of the best relievers on that team when he's on. What do you think about the decision for them to keep it off? Do you think it'll burn them in the next three games? I think it will, honestly. Uh, late last night, they went to Uvalde, which I thought was an interesting move, especially for uh, game for it being game four, right? You expect to see those types of decisions later in the series. But, um, yeah, definitely the uh, depth of the bullpen for Boston is going to be tested in these next couple games. And uh, I definitely, I mean, we'll only have to wait and see if the Barnes decision will cost them. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on from that. We're going to touch on the NFL a little bit before we get into the NBA. Dan Campbell following the Lions' loss to the... Why am I brain farting? That's the Bengals. The Bengals, yes. That was not a pretty game at all. The loss to the Bengals. Um, Dan Campbell kind of brought Jared Goff under fire. What do you think about that, Matt? Uh, I think it was warranted. Uh, the Lions performance on Sunday was their worst that they've had right that was they they just looked bad they it was it was not it was not good to watch uh the offense looked anemic right they had nothing they could not get it going at any point in the game do I think it's all on Jared Goff no there's no weapons around him the O-line has been beat up a little bit I don't think it's all on him but I definitely think I definitely think as Goff being the leader of the offense, he is that veteran presence. He needs to be he needs to step up and lead this offense and it doesn't seem like he's doing that. And I think that's what Campbell was more upset about. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things with Goff is that coming in, he wasn't really expect he the expectation for him from the media was he's just gonna be a bridge for whoever the Lions select to be their new franchise quarterback. That was pretty much consensus. The Lions welcomed him with more than open arms and made him their quarterback for the foreseeable future. They committed to him. They committed to him next year too, to give him money next year as well by stretching his contract. So they've shown a willingness to believe in him. However, he's just not played the way he can play. He does have a lack of weapons. I agree 100%, but I don't know. He does need to step up, like Campbell said. He does. Um, but I think, what's the solution? Go to David Blau? And at that yeah, point, there's like, you you really don't know whether or not there's a step up or a drop off from there with I, your backup. But I don't, yeah. I don't think you're any more likely to have Blau be your quarterback of the future than you are with Jared Goff. So I think just stick with Goff. Right out the season, how many games we're ever going to win? I think we can sneak out two or three, maybe. Uh, get that top pick in the draft and just move forward. Um, I mean, start building a roster. Exactly. That's the simplest thing. Like, this draft is going to be huge for the Lions, but also, like, this season, just develop, find your guys who you can keep on your roster going forward. That's the most important thing. 
because with the bare bones roster you have now, there's not much competition that you'll be able to provide to other teams. We saw it last Sunday. We've seen it throughout the season. So this season, the goal needs to be find who you can keep going forward and find who needs to be off the team. Keep your culture going, cultivate that, and build from there. Yeah, my only issue with Goff has been the fact that, and I think it's what Campbell's upset about, is he isn't that leader. He isn't doesn't have yeah. that presence that other quarterbacks tend to have in the locker room. And I think that's the biggest effect is he isn't he can't take control of the locker room. I think that's going to be part of the reason why they do struggle so much this year is that there's no true leader on this team other yeah. than I mean there's Dan, no one yeah. to look to like there used to yeah. be. I, I, I would it, agree. Matthew Stafford was. Very easy to look to because he'd been there for so long and everybody respects him. Goff is the new guy on the block. And while he may be one of the longer tenured players on this roster just because of how much turnover there's been, it's he's not being that leader that they need to be. And it's pretty obvious. I would agree. Um, moving on from that, though, NBA opening night was last night. Mm-hmm. Good times. The Bucks played the Nets, beat the Nets pretty handily. And the Warriors beat the Lakers. Starting off with the first game, Bucks Nets. Um, the defending champions got their ring and emphasized getting their ring when they just they ran away with the game in the first quarter. Brooklyn kept pulling back and forth, back and forth, but they never really made it a game again. Giannis looked like Giannis. Drew Holiday played good defense on James Harden. Held him to 6 of 16 shooting. Kevin Durant looked pretty good. But overall, it was a very dominant performance by the Bucks. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I didn't, didn't get to watch much of it because of how much was on last night. But uh, from what I saw, Giannis was just, he did what Giannis does, right? He's still an MVP candidate, one of the best players in the in the league. Um, the, the Bucks are so deep. Right, their bench is so good. They have guys coming off the bench and just coming in, filling. And they're missing Dante right now too. I mean, you had Connaughton coming off the bench last night and put up twenty. Jordan Nora coming and Jordan Nora out of nowhere, right? Fifteen point six rebounds. Look at that. I think that's a a factor that goes very. That's very underrated in this league. Not not a lot of teams take into account how much depth matters, and And it shows they cultivated their young players regardless of where they picked them. And it's it's exciting to see, and then the Bucks are still, I think, the top dog in this league, and I, I mean, I expect them to repeat, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, Milwaukee, like they might not have three stars like Brooklyn does, and may not be as fully loaded as Brooklyn can be when they're fully healthy and fully together, but I think the way the Bucks play just evens the matchup out, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, moving on from that great game, though. Regardless, Giannis looks great. Um, the Warriors and Lakers played last night as well. New look Lakers roster. Russ debuted for them. It was just Curry last night for the Warriors. Um, Draymond played as well, but no Clay yet. What are your thoughts on last night's game for Warriors Lakers? So how the Bucks had great depth and they're ten guys deep. Uh, the Lakers are three guys deep. Right, you really have LeBron, you have AD. Russ Westbrook did not even play that well last night, which was a huge factor. But I, the Lakers bench is pretty bad, right? They rely heavily on that on veterans and the, the starting five and the veterans, and um, I just don't think it's going to work out. I mean, I they're still going to be a playoff team at the end of this year, but 
I think LeBron's time might be out, unfortunately, right, for him to get another ring because I just don't think the Lakers have the pieces that the Bucks have, that the Nets have, that the like, they have the talent, but they don't have the team around them to compete like the Nets and the Bucks and the Suns and the Nuggets. I think that's a huge issue. I think that it seems like the Lakers bench is good. They have a lot of veterans on there, a lot of big names that we grew up around that we know. But if it's going to work, they need a fourth guy who can consistently be there. Whoever it's going to be, it's got to be consistent. And because you're going to have, you know, you have AD, LeBron, Russ. But that fourth guy will separate you from the other teams. It's what Brooklyn lacks. It's what Milwaukee lacks when they don't have Dante. So it'll be interesting to see who steps up for the Lakers from their cast of veterans that they have. But the Warriors look good. I was really impressed with the Warriors. I were high. I was high on them coming into the year. Even though they're going to miss Clay for a bit, I thought the depth looked good last year when they played without Curry, even with him. They still they made the play-in. They weren't a bad team last year. And with Clay back this year, with another offseason to train everybody, I think the Warriors are more dangerous than a lot of people realize. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they Wiseman's still out. Thompson's still out, right? They still have pieces that are going to return and make them even better. Um, I mean, last year, Steph had to play at an MVP level. I don't think – I mean, if he continues to play like he has, they, they'll have no issue being a top team in the West. Do I think they can win it? We'll see. I mean, it's, it's so early. But uh, definitely there's a lot to be impressed about by the Warriors. I agree. I think, you know, Jordan Poole looked good. Um, Kevon Looney looked good. Wiggins looked good. Wiggins stepped up so much last year, and that's so underrated. People stopped talking about him because he kind of got quieted in Golden State behind Curry and behind, you know, the fact that there was literally nothing going on there until Curry came back. But Wiggins really improved. He changed his game. He stepped up defensively. He's become more defensively adept and he usually guards the best team's player now with clay gone it's impressive to see from someone who was considered a bust not even two years ago yeah it's definitely nice to see him start to step up and he yes is he the superstar everybody thought he once was going to be no but it's nice to see that getting out of minnesota and coming into a winning culture like the warrior has has turned him into a uh, very solid piece on a team that can compete later in the year. I agree. And who's to say he still can't step up? Like, he could be their fourth or third scorer like they have, like they could use this year. They have Curry and Clay. We already know that. They have Jordan Poole, who scored 20 last night and could continue that throughout the year. I expect him to, honestly. But if Wiggins could start doing, like, 22 with the defense he has, that this Warriors team would be really good. Yeah, it would add to just an already stacked conference. Yeah, which would be awesome. very balanced awesome roster across the board for Golden State. Yeah. Uh, moving on from the Warriors and Lakers game, the Pistons do open tonight. The hometown Pistons. The main ticket though will be absent. Cade Cunningham was ruled out last night with an ankle injury. Isaiah Livers was ruled out three days ago. It'll be an interesting game. I think this Bulls team is underrated and can compete. I don't know if they can compete for a title, 
but I think they can compete for a good four or five seed if they gel together. They look good in preseason. I'm taking it with a grain of salt because it is preseason, but they still look good. They had chemistry that not many of us expected as media members. Yeah, Chicago, they got, I mean, you look at the roster, plenty of talent up and down the roster. It's kind of a weird mix of players, I it would is. say. Um, you don't know what to make of them, especially in a, an Eastern Conference that is so open, right? There's a lot of good teams, but you're not sure what any of them could do. There's two teams that are really or, separated right. from everywhere, yeah. everybody else. And then after that, so I definitely I think they can be a playoff team this year. It would be nice to see how some of these guys can step up in their new city. Um, for the Pistons, it's going to be a long year, even with Cade in, right? I think that we know it, we're going to have growing pains, but it's definitely the start of a new era for the Pistons, and that's that's what's to be excited about. Yeah, I think if the Pistons can remain similar to where they were last year, where they competed, where they pushed good teams they pushed bad teams they won games here and there but ultimately wound up with a pick good enough to draft Cade Cunningham um if you do something similar to that get another good player alongside Cade then you're really talking going into next year but I really think this year the ceiling for the Pistons is maybe the play-in I would say, I mean, that best be, case scenario that, is yeah, the ceiling. That's best case scenario. I mean, I think they'll do similar to last year. They'll go out there. They'll compete. Um, I do think they got rewarded in the lottery last year because of how they played. They went out. They didn't tank. They just weren't that good. And they yeah. just end up getting the first pick. I think this year, if I'm not mistaken, the draft's a little more. There's a lot more talent at the top, if I remember correctly. You got guys like Chet Holmgren coming out. Um, but I think that. They're going to have another top pick this year, and they should be able to add another piece to help uh, Hayes, Faye, and uh, Cunningham really turn into a real contender in the next future. In the future, yeah, I agree. The Pistons' future does look bright. The Bulls, like we said, they have an interesting combination of players. Their starting lineup projected tonight is going to be Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, Patrick Williams, their rookie from last year, and Nikola Vucevic. And I think that. If it all works, this is a four seed. Best case, they win the division. They don't win the division. The Bucks are there. I completely forgot about that. They finish second. Best case. I mean, nobody really pays attention to divisions. The NBA, yeah, it's all about being one through eight. Yeah. Um, I definitely think they're they can be a four seed. Great teams like Boston, teams like Atlanta. Um, they'll be competing with them. So it'll yeah. just be interesting to see how it all comes together. So, yeah. Moving on, uh, last night the Red Wings played the Columbus Blue Jackets. Pretty interesting game. It was 0-0 through the first two periods, and then both teams, I mean, the Red Wings exploded, held the Blue Jackets down, but the Red Wings exploded for four goals in the third period. Blue Jackets added one themselves. But the Red Wings looked kind of good. They did. They It was fun to watch i know columbus is not going to be very good this year but i mean they went out outshot columbus 45 to 23 so they were really they were all over them the entire game uh it was just a matter of time before they were able to put some pucks in the back of the net it was awesome to see raymond get his first goal as a red wing it was a good was goal a dude. Nice shot. yeah he's got an absolute missile for a shot yeah so future i mean once again the future is bright for, for the red wings we have a lot to be excited about this year i love how there was a play last night where Raymond got hit from behind in the boards. I think it was yep. in the third period. 
and seeing Bertuzzi and see a bunch of the veterans come in and step up, that's huge, right? Yep. Having those veterans. Bertuzzi leaders. and Larkin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's. Go ahead. Yeah, defending your rookies and making sure those young guys are comfortable and making sure they know that you have their back is going to be huge for them to develop for the future. Agreed, 100%. The, one of the biggest things, and I've been waiting to talk about this, one of the biggest things that the Red Wings have impressed me with this year is just the swagger that they're playing with. I don't know if there's a better way to put that, but they're playing with swagger. They're saying, you come for us, we'll come for you. Don't mess with us. It's impressive to see. It's They've defended themselves in each and every game. The Lightning game, last game we saw it, and last night as well. They are not taking anything from any team. Yeah. You can definitely see there's a different type of confidence with the team. Uh, it, it, it's nice to see. Uh, I was not very happy when they kept Blaschel and again for another year. I'm not a huge fan of him, but from what I've seen this year, maybe he's turned it around. Maybe he just needed that roster. And to build the pieces around, um, Eisenman's done a great job, and I know we're still building, but uh, there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, the, I agree. This roster, it might be a weird combination of players, but it's working right now. They've gelled together. It seems like the chemistry is through the roof. If they're willing to fight for each other this early in the season, much less down the line when it'll matter. So while I agree with you that bringing Blash Hill back wasn't the top of my list for the Red Wings. Um, it seems like it's worked so far. It seems like he's gotten this team to gel. And that's what really matters when you've got a roster that's so young. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, there's there's only a handful of players on this roster that uh, I'm not excited about to watch this year. Even some of the veterans, them coming in, they're exciting. It's nice to see how they're going to help. Mark Stahl, uh, Nick Letty coming in and really teaching guys how to play in this league. There, there will be some growing pains in the middle of the year, right? We're going to have to expect it, but it, we got a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to look forward to this season. Yeah, and the Wings are also missing one of their best wingers in Jakob Brana, who was traded for last year um, when Anthony Manta was traded in that shocking deal. But Vrana is one of the better wingers on this roster, and when he's healthy, this offensive attack looks pretty impressive with Raymond, Vrana, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Zadina, etc. Yeah, that trade. I think it's gonna. We're gonna look back on that one and be really excited because, or obviously, Brana. I mean, Mantha is a good player. Mantha was a fan favorite but here. He was a fan favorite. I was. I wasn't much of a fan of him here in Detroit, but uh, he's gonna help Washington. Brana's gonna come in as a young, speedy winger. He's gonna help us a lot and score and score some goals. Um, I don't know what year the draft pick was for. I don't it was a first-round pick in this year's draft that already happened. Okay, that's right. And got... a second-rounder next year. Okay, so, all right, so we got Kosa for it, So, um, which I'm excited to see him as our top goalie prospect. Yeah. Nadelovich, and I, I know Nadelovich got rocked last night or last week against Tampa. Wasn't his fault. He actually played quite well. It's just he'll have to get used to playing for a team that isn't that doesn't play like Carolina does. Yeah. Grice has been good, but I he's not going to be the goalie of our future. But it's definitely exciting to Grace see. Grace has been serviceable this year, he's especially been, in the games that he's been played. Very good. He's been very good the past two years, year that he's been here. So yeah. he's a very solid goaltender. But uh, I definitely think that the draft picks we got for Mantha and Verona is going to be huge for us in our future. I agree. It'll be great to see this Red Wings roster when they're at full strength. We saw what Iserman can do when he fully takes a roster down and builds it back up in Tampa Bay. And we've seen what Tampa Bay has become. 
being the di- the dynasty that they are. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, there's been a lot of surprises this year in the NHL. I think the Wings, the way they've come out, has been one. Uh, I think, but it's early, right? There's a lot of bad teams that have started off pretty it's, hot. It's easy. It's so easy to jump to conclusions, right. but they look so exciting. Yes, it's I, hard not to. I would agree. I will also preface that Buffalo is three and zero right now. Yeah, which I don't think anybody thought that. I don't so. think so either. <laughs> Buffalo is yeah. It's it's pretty impressive that they are three and zero. So. Tampa, uh, like the Red Wings, will have to wait and see. Uh, I, their division is tough this year. There's a, quite a few good teams. Like you got Florida, who's going to be very good. Tampa is always good. Um, Boston and Montreal, Boston, you can expect to contend. Mon- Montreal has looked really bad. I watched them and the Sharks last night. They they're in trouble, but especially without Price. But Boston's going to compete. Tampa's there. Toronto, uh, Toronto's Toronto, right? So it's a very tough division. Making the playoffs would be awesome. I think it would be as a wild card. I'm not sure if we'd be able to compete. That would be best case but scenario. That would, that would be best case scenario. But, but worst I, case scenario, you're fighting for a wild card spot. I think. I would think so too. I think the way they've came out this season, the way the offensive attack has looked, I would say that finishing right outside the playoffs would probably be a realistic, realistic finish for the Red Wings. And something I, as a fan, would be content with for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but shoot for the moon. Playoffs would be great. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today. Impact Sports Daily, Wednesday, October 28th for Manit Patel. Matt Merrifield, thank you for tuning in. Have a great day. You've been listening to Impact Sports Daily. Our thanks to Impact's General Manager, Jeremy Whiting, Station Manager, Amber Kinetsky, and Programming Director, McKenna Lowndes. For more, visit impact89fm.org sports.